You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Have you ever found yourself at the right place at the right time? <laughs> it was rhetorical, but it's all right. You can answer if you want. <laughs> Remember, I was 15 years old playing for a football club called West United, and uh, I was a striker. And on our team, we had a 13-year-old boy named Michael. The reason that he played for us when he was 13, we were 15, was because the 13-year-old team didn't want him. He was a really, really big boy and couldn't run. and He could play for about five minutes and then that was it. So they didn't want him. Because see, you only had a certain amount of people that you could put on your team card. Once that was full, that was it. They didn't want to waste a spot for a guy who could only play for five minutes. So every under 13 refused to have him. All the under 14 teams refused to have Michael. Our team, we had an extra spot. We were all right. And so he came and played for the under-15s. So the coach would put him on at the end of the game for about five minutes, and that was all that Michael ever played for our team. You know, this one day, we're playing this club called Alligator Creek. It was 1-1 with about five minutes to go, and the coach brings on Michael. I had the ball. I was striker on the day, and I had the ball. A few moments left, and I burnt this defender, and it was me one-on-one with the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper ran out to me. The goalkeeper ran out to me. And as he ran out, it stunned me because usually he would just stay there and I could shoot and score. But as he ran out, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try and get around him. But I I was not sure if I could. In the corner of my eye, I saw Michael, this big boy, right, just running. You can imagine all the skin just, right, as he's running. And I thought to myself, you know what? He's the wrong person, but he's in the right position. So I'm just going to have to pass in the ball. As the keeper ran out, I chipped the keeper over to Michael. Now, this kid was so big, he couldn't actually stop and kick, right? I passed the ball to him, and he kind of just ran into the ball, right? And as he ran into the ball, he scored the winning goal for our team, right? <laughs> have you ever found yourself in the right position at the right time? See, here's the thing. Position outscores intention every single time. Right, Our whole team had the intention of scoring a goal, but none of us were in the right position to do so. Only Michael was. It didn't matter if he was the wrong person to be there or not. The point was that he was in the position. Right? You know, the real estate mantra is location, location, location. The point being right, that you can change as much as you want about your house, but you can never change your location. See, position is everything, right? If you're in the wrong position, you're never going to get what you really, really want. If you're in the wrong position, you're not going to get what you desire. Did you know that the same is with God? The same is in your Christian walk, right? Position determines what you're going to get from God. Let's give it up for Isaiah this morning. Hey, mate, you take this as well. Come on, give it up for Isaiah. What a champion. Helping me preach. Isaiah came to church by himself today because his parents neglected him. So, no, that's not true. They're serving in kids' ministry. You know, the same principle applies in your Christian walk. Position is everything. Regardless of whether you think you deserve good things from God or not, it's not the point. 
The point is positioning. There's this guy named David who's a shepherd, which means that he's a low person in the scheme of rank and status. Yet he becomes king of Israel. Why? Because the Bible says that he had a heart after God. That's the position. There's this girl named Esther in the Bible where she saves an exile nation of Jewish people from extermination all because she has the boldness to go and face up to a king. That's position. Mary carries the king of the world, the saviour of the universe in her womb because she is obedient to the things of God. That is a position. In Scripture, we see so many times God giving promises as a reward for people who find themselves in good positions. Or another word to use this morning, obedience. See, obedience is a position and obedience is rewarded. We have this one rule in our family that whenever we go on family adventures, um, we all have to do one thing brave. And if we do one thing brave, then we get a reward. For example, at Christmas time, um, Kat and I, we bought the kids tickets to Movie World, okay? They were for the kids, right? Okay? That's what we bought them for, just for the kids. Um, although on Monday, we're going to put them in school and go to Wet and Wild ourselves, right? But they were for the kids, right? So every time we go to Movie World, the rule is, listen, if you can do one brave thing, then you get a reward, right? That's the whole thing. The reason that we do this is this. We want to teach our kids that in life, most of the time, the hardest things to do come with the greatest reward. For example, it is hard to save money in our day and age, but if you can, it comes with a great reward. It's hard to find regular time to exercise, but if you can, it comes with a great reward. It's hard to find regular time to read your Bible and pray, but if you can, it comes with great reward. And so I've made a promise to my kids that if they can put themselves in a position to be obedient to our rule, to do something brave, then you're going to get a great reward. They unlock a great reward. This morning, I want us to continue looking at this little series that that we're doing, looking at the book of Revelation. It's probably the most misunderstood book in the entire Bible, and we're going to dig into this thing this morning, okay? And in the first session, we looked at why this book was written, right? And the hope that this story brought to a persecuted church. Our foundation scripture for this series is, we find it in Revelation 1-3, where it says this. It says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. So I'm going to get a blessing this morning. Amen. And he blesses, check this out, all who listen to its message. Right? The last session, two weeks ago, we looked at its message. So we looked at, we looked at the message of this. But check this out. Who listen to this message and obey. Everyone say obey. And obey what it says. In this session this morning, I want us to look at What is the book of Revelation asking us to be obedient to? Because if obedience is a position, and obedience for you and I usually is a hard thing to do, right? then what rewards will Jesus give to us for doing those hard things? What promises does Jesus have for those who are obedient to his word? Okay. Or another way to ask it this morning, what position do we need to be in to receive good things from God? Who wants to receive good things from God this morning? Anyone here want to receive promises? Anyone here want to see answered prayer in their life? Anyone here want to see an increase of hope? Anyone here want to see an increase of God blessing them this morning? Anyone? Okay. This morning, I want us to look at what position do we need to be in 
for promise. Are you ready? Are you positioned for promise this morning? Cool. Okay, so in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John is writing seven letters to seven churches. The seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and a church called Laodicea. And he writes the book of Revelation to these seven churches. In the book of Revelation, when he writes to these seven churches, John is doing three things in the letter. When you read the letters, you can go back and do this yourself. When you read the letters, John is doing three things in the letters. The first thing that, Jesus, that, that John does is he gives a commendation to the church. So he writes to these seven churches and he first tells them something that they're doing good at. And he says, hey, you're doing good at this, well done. The second thing that John then talks about is he actually rebukes them on something. He says, listen, you're doing well in this area, but I need you to reposition yourself in this area. I need you to change this. And then the third thing that John does is then John gives a promise from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're doing well here, but if you can reposition yourself in this area, then I'm gonna bless you in this. You're gonna receive this promise. And so the church, not all the churches were rebuked, not all the churches had commendation, but all were given a promise if they obeyed what Jesus was asking for them. And if they could do the hard thing in the adventure that we call walking with Jesus, then they receive a gift. You know, this morning, right? Let's just be real. Sometimes following Jesus isn't the easiest thing to do. Sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus because sometimes Jesus asks certain things of you and sometimes they're hard to do. But you need to know this morning that even though sometimes it is hard to follow Jesus, right, you get the best blessings from it because most of the time in life, the hardest things to do come with the greatest blessing. You need to know that Jesus has good things for you. You need to know that even though sometimes it's hard, Sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. You need to know that if you can just stay strong, Jesus has amazing things for you. Jesus has promises that you can access if you can stay in position. John writes to the church in Ephesus and he commends him. He says, listen, you guys are hard workers and you endure a lot of things. Well done. But he rebukes me. He says this. He says, listen, you guys are hard workers, but you don't love each other. You don't like each other. And it's good that you're doing all the work, but you don't love each other. You need to reposition yourself. And John says this, if you can reposition yourself, then you get the tree of life. What John is saying is this, right? Listen, if you can begin to love one another again, just as you first loved them when you first became a Christian, then I'm gonna give you life to its fullest. I'm gonna give you the original blessing. John says to the church in Thyatira, he says, listen, you guys are the opposite to the, to the church in Ephesus. Um, you love each other. And you guys are full of faith and you're full of serving each other. But one thing that you're not doing is you tolerate immorality. You need to reposition yourself. In fact, sometimes that love turns a blind eye to the bad things going on. And so John says, listen, you need to reposition yourself and stop tolerating immorality. If you do, I'm gonna promise you authority, authority in your community, authority in your family, authority to speak to these kind of things. The church in Laodicea, they had a bad Sunday. Jesus didn't say anything good to them. <laughs> you know, it's a bad day in church when Jesus rocks up and he says, I got nothing good to say to you. <laughs> you know, you know it's gonna be a bad Sunday when Jesus says, 
You guys are dropkicks, right? <laughs> he says to the church in Laodicea, he says, listen, I've got nothing good to say about you. In fact, you're just lukewarm. He says, you're neither hot nor cold. But he says this, but if you can get passionate about the things of God, then you're gonna be my friend, right? And so in the book of Revelation, we see these seven promises, right? But here's the thing. The church only gets the promises if they put themselves in a position to receive them. Maybe... You're looking, maybe you haven't had that answer to prayer because maybe you're not in position. Maybe you're still waiting on some promises because we're not in position. I want us to look at this morning, not so much the promises. I don't care about the promises. I'm gonna get them if I can just put myself in position. Position is everything. And so John is suggesting that for these churches to receive what they are wanting from Jesus, they gotta get into position and maybe this morning you know Jesus wants to talk to us on a few matters of position maybe Jesus wants to talk to you this morning on a few matters of position maybe Jesus wants to talk to our church this morning on a few matters of position all the rebukes that John gives we can put into three categories this morning so I want us to look at that three positions three categories or three positions for us to be in that will result in promises answered are you ready Are you ready to get into position this morning? Here we go. Position number one. If you want to see the promises of God flow in your life, here's the first position. The position for promise is purity. The position for promise is purity. The book of Revelation says this. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of God. Go back to what you heard and believed at that first, right? Go back to your first love. Hold on to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as an unexpected thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Okay, put that word soiled in your brain. We're gonna come back to that in a moment. There are some in the church of Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me in white, soiled white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I'll never erase their names from the book of life, which is a promise, but I'll announce before my father um, and his angels that they are mine, which is also a promise. In 2008, uh, I was a youth pastor and I took my youth group on a missions trip into Kalimantan in the island of Borneo. And we went to this little village of about 60 people that was in the middle of the jungle. These people had no electricity. These people, uh, there was one dirt road going through the middle of it. Uh, They had no running water. They didn't have land uh, to have cattle, right? It was in the jungle. What they did have though was one water tank. And on this one water tank was one tap. And at the bottom of this one tap was one bucket full of water. And this was the one bucket that you did all of your washing. This was the one bucket that had all of the drinking water. And this was the one bucket that you did all of your bathing in. I was the leader of of, of our team. We had seven boys, five girls. We were there for two days and hadn't had a bath. Now, who knows that after seven, after two days with seven teenage boys having no bath, things get a bit stanky, right? Things get a bit smelly. So it's time for bath. And so being the fearless, brave leader that I am, right? I said, I'm going first. So off with my clothes down to my undies in the middle of this village in the jungle of Borneo. There's ever all these locals watching this one white guy having a cup bath, right? You know, soak myself up and get this cup, right? And so all of us have this bath. I got down to the last guy and he took his clothes off down to his undies and we all started laughing. He got really upset. 
What are you guys laughing at me for? I never laughed at you. You know, why are you laughing at me? I said, boy, so stop laughing. I said, dude, dude, the reason that we're laughing is, is because of this. We didn't wear white undies, right? <laughs> Who knows, right? That white, white is a symbol of transparency. Who knows that if he was about to have a bath, things were about to get pretty transparent in his life, right? <laughs> things were about to get pretty clear. We were about to see if things weren't clean, if you know what I mean, right? White in Scripture is a symbol of cleanliness. Why, is, why do washing powder ads use white shirts to prove it cleans? Why do brides walk down the aisle and white? Why do hotels use white pillows, white sheets and, and, and white towels? It's because white portrays something as clean and fresh. The reason that we see in Revelation, Jesus saying, hey, I need you to be clean like white is because he's first telling the church, listen, I need you to be clean and fresh. I need you to be in a position of transparency. If you want promises and blessing, I need you to be in a position of purity. David writes this in Psalms. He says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hearts and hands are pure. What that means then is this, that purity is the most important pursuit of your life because it determines final destination. David goes on to talk about what purity is. He says, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and don't tell lies. Um, Worshipping idol means this. Um, Worshipping idols means anything that we do that replaces God. Right? In the Old Testament, the reason that God allows the Jews to go into exile so often is because they replaced God with an idol. We do it today, right? Uh, here's an example, the love of money. Right? We love money, we replace God our provider. Um, anger, right? We love being angry, we replace God our peace. Right? Pride, right? thinking about ourselves all the time. We replace El Shaddai, God Almighty. He goes on to say, you know, and never telling lies. Never telling lies means this. Never telling lies. That's what it means, right? (laughs) It means this. It means to have clean and clear intentions. That's what it means. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Uh, There's two rules here. Don't do these. Myself, my personality, I want to know, okay, how far can I go though? What are the two rules? Uh, Paul, a guy named Paul, breaks this down even more for us to talk about what impurity is. Check this out. In Galatians, we can read what impurity is right here. Paul goes into a little bit deeper. Check this out. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, impurity, the results are very clear. Okay, so this morning, I wanna make it very clear what Jesus is asking us not to do, right? What Jesus is, what position Jesus is asking us to be in. Check this out. Here's the results of impurity. Here we go. Sexual immorality. It's clear. It's impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. There we go. Replacing God. Sorcery. Witchery. Hostility. Here we go. Hostility. Quarreling. Constantly arguing. Jealousy. Right? Jealous of what other people have. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Here's one. Dissension, division. What Paul is saying is this: like we've talked, there's a few things, a few sexual things in there, but how much more is is in there about uh, 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 about causing dissension and quarrelling? 
so much more. It is, it is not a good position for us to be in if we're causing other people to fight. Jealousy, upper anger, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, right? Wild parties, other translations say orgies, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, I have, as I have before, if anyone living that sort of life, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It's pretty clear what impurity is. The Bible makes it very clear. The Bible makes it very clear what position we need to be in to receive the promises that God has for us. Why doesn't God like these things? You know, because between you and me, sometimes I like being angry because it makes me bigger than the situation. Sometimes I like being in a position where people owe me and I'm going to let them know. It feels good sometimes to do that. Sometimes it feels good to let the flesh have what the flesh wants. Why doesn't God like these things? It's really simple. Because it makes us stinky. It makes us stinky. We read it just before in Revelation. It says this, Revelation 3, 4, it says, Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. This word soiled means to contaminate, right? It's the root word for dark and dirty. When we had our first kid, Malachi, um, we had a friend who went through this whole stage of your baby has to be organic and wear cloth nappies stage because you don't want them wearing plastic because it hurts their bum and it'll kill a dolphin somewhere, right? So don't use plastic nappies, use cloth nappies. And so we used cloth nappies for a season until one day when Cat was out, I had to change Malachi because he did a, a poo, right? He did that, so I had to go change him in this cloth nappy. So I took him. Now, any parents here this morning? Give me a wave. Come on, don't be ashamed. Come on, just say, yes, my house is dirty all the time. Anyone here this morning, right? Okay, you got parents. Now, we all know that there's a difference between a poo and poo, right? Usually you go change your kid and there's a poo right, right there. There's the poo, a poo right there. A poo, change it, done, clean, off you go. No dolphins dead, right? A poo. But then there's poo. That day Malachi did poo. Everywhere, all in his nappy, all up him, falling onto the floor, up onto me. Everywhere. The whole place was dark and dirty. The whole place was contaminated, right? The place was soiled, right? If you know what I mean. (laughs) There was no way I was going to take that rag, wash it out and put it in the washing machine with all my other clothes. That wasn't happening, right? I don't mind if a dolphin dies today. I'm going back to plastic nappies. I'm throwing that out, right? That's not contaminating the wash, right? Revelation is saying that there's some in Sardis who haven't contaminated the group. There's some in Sardis who haven't soiled their clothes. There's another word starting with S that describes this really well, right? But here's some good news this morning. Here's some good news about Jesus. I want to tell you that the Bible not only says that Jesus washes our sins away, that Jesus washes us clean. In the, in the end of Revelation, it says this. 
And one sitting on the throne said, this is Jesus, look, I am making everything new. I need to tell you this morning that in Jesus, everything in your life that right now seems soiled, Jesus can make brand new. I need to tell you this morning that there might be some things in your past that seem dark and dirty. I wanna tell you, Jesus just doesn't wash them. He makes all things brand new. You need to know this morning that in Jesus, there's new hope. That in Jesus, there's new freedom. That in Jesus, there's new identity. That in Jesus, there's new future. That in Jesus, there's new joy. Every single day, you can walk up and not uh, wake up and not be stressed or anxious about anything dirty in your life. Because if you put yourself in a position of purity, God will promise newness. It's all about position. If we can position ourselves in a place of purity, choosing to do the hard thing, it's hard to live a pure life. But if you can do it, you get good, good things. New life every day. Isn't that good thing? Come on, let's give God some praise this morning. That's what you have in Jesus. New life every single day. Which leads to the position number two. Position number two is this. The position for promise is passion. The position for promise is passion. We see this in the book of Revelation. See, because whenever Jesus does something new in your life, you get passionate, yeah? Remember the first time that you become a Christian, you wanted everyone to know about Jesus, right? (laughs) Remember that time where Jesus healed you and you told everyone about Jesus, right? When God does something new in our life, we love, we're passionate about it. But when things are stale, that robs passion. Trust me, I'm a Brisbane Raw season ticket holder. I'm a Queensland Red season ticket holder. Trust me, when things go stale, passion goes down, right? Passion ceases to exist when things go stale. You need to know that Jesus is after a passionate church. Revelation says this, John's writing to the church in Laodicea in Ephesus and he says, I know all the things you do that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you were like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you from my mouth. In verse 19, he says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. That's a position. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. That's a promise. And we will share a meal together as friends. The reason that Jesus is talking to uh, to these two churches was because they were lukewarm in their pursuit of purity. That's why. They were indifferent to purity. And so Jesus says, listen, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. You can't. You can't be lukewarm. I need you to be passionate. They were indifferent, lazy. They couldn't care less about their purity. What made them neither hot nor cold? Let's look, number one. They didn't seek God anymore. That's what made them indifferent to purity because they weren't seeking God anymore. They didn't take their walk with God seriously. That's why they were lukewarm. That's why they were indifferent They wanted to know how far they could push the limit with God. That's why they were indifferent to their purity. They wanted to know how far can I bend the rules before I'm really in trouble. That's what the church was doing. Here's a question. Have you ever asked yourself, where is my walk with Jesus at the moment? 
where is my standing with God right now? These are three great thoughts to ask yourself on a monthly basis. Am I seeking God? Am I really after Jesus? I don't want to get lukewarm. Tell you what, if you want to have a passionate relationship with God, then seek him. That's where it starts. Ask yourself, you know, am I taking this seriously? Am I taking my faith seriously? Am I serious about this? Ask yourself, are there areas in my life where I'm kind of just trying to push the limit to see how far, how much I can get away with? I tell you what, if you can answer those honestly and reposition a few things in your life and become hot for Jesus, I'm here to tell you that Jesus comes into your life more and more and more and more. And very soon you find that there's less of you and more of him. All because you got passionate for the things of God. Your life changes. In fact, he says to one church, you will get authority. If you want to have more influence in your household, if you want to have more influence in your family, if you want to have more influence in your community, more influence in your workplace, more influence in your university, more influence in your studies, more influence in your school. If you're the kind of person that's just looking to help people and have authority over situations and just bust in and let Jesus do something good, it all starts just by being passionate for Jesus. That's the position we need to be in. If you really want to sit at the table with kings, be passionate about God because he's knocking. And if you let him in, he is with you. He shares a meal, your friends. How good is that? If you can put yourself into a position of passion, then you'll find that more of Jesus will be in you. Which leads us to the third position this morning. In fact, this third position actually is, should be our first position. In fact, purity and passion can only really exist when we find ourselves in this third position. And the position is this. The position for promise is partnership. The position for promise is partnership. Revelation 3 says this. It says, I know all the things you do, and I've opened a door for you that no one else can close. That's pretty good. You have little strength, Yet, check this out, yet you obeyed, right? Yet you positioned yourself, right? You have little strength, but you positioned yourself to my word and you did not deny me. Because you have obeyed, because you have positioned yourself to my command to persevere, right? To have passion for the things of God, the passion of purity. Check this out. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. John is writing to the church in Philadelphia here, right? And he's saying, listen, it, it might seem like you're running out of strength, but you need to know that you've held on and Jesus, he's gonna partner with you. He's gonna partner. Philadelphia, you need some more strength. You know what? Jesus has seen it. He's seen that you've positioned yourself to obey His command. Then He's gonna give you His strength. So you need to know, right, that Jesus, we all protect what we value. We all protect what we value. And the same is with Jesus. He protects what He values. See, partnerships are essential to an impossible life. It's impossible to live a real life of purity and passion. But if you partner with Jesus, He makes the impossible possible. In 1903, a famous scientist published an article proving conclusively 
the impossibility of controlled human flight. And the vast majority of scientists in the world agreed, except two guys who made bikes, Wilbur and Orville. People who have studied their life have concluded that their success in overcoming the odds and pushing past popular criticism was their extraordinary ability to work with and for each other. You need to know this morning that there might be some impossible situations that you're facing, but you need to know that when you put yourself in a position of partnership with Jesus, He makes the impossible possible. He makes the hopeless hopeful. He makes the the helpless helpful. When you partner with Jesus, He turns dark things into light. He turns dead things into life. He turns destructive things into increase. If you can find yourself in a position of partnership, then Jesus pours out His promises on your life. And just like my football friend, Michael, at the very start, who was told that he shouldn't, he's not allowed to play, right? He's not the right person. We don't want you. He was told you, you don't deserve it. You shouldn't be here. Yet Michael, that very person that shouldn't have been in that position in the first place, finds himself in the right position. And when he's in that right position, the guy that everyone told shouldn't be there, scored. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's all about position. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter what's happening. All that matters is this. Are you in the right position? Are you in a position of partnership? Because if you find yourself in a position of partnership with Jesus and get passionate about the things of who He is and get some purity in your life, then He gives you new things. He gives you new life. He begins to pour out the promises of God that are for you. Is that not a good thing this morning? Are you a bit passionate today? Really? If we can find ourselves as a church to be in a position of purity, position of passion, passion about the things of God, and partnership with God, I'll tell you what, we've won this city already. We just haven't seen it yet. God wants to do some good things through us this year, church. These are the three places that we need to find ourselves in. As Centro, we need to be in a position of, a position of purity, passion, and partnership. I'll tell you what, we're gonna see God do some good things. Thank you for listening to this podcast.